Coming at you from the Steel City, you're listening to Poor Man's Podcast, Pittsburgh's premier comedy podcast. Your weekly dose of humor hosted by Chris Hopper and with a new special guest each week. And here's your host, Chris Hopper. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Poor Man's Podcast. I'm your host, Chris. Along with me, as always, is no one today. This is actually our first PMP one-on-one episode, Poor Man's Podcast one-on-one. It's kind of a new kind of format that I wanted to try out. It's a solo show that I am joined by one guest, and we kind of have a long-form interview. It's a little different than the uh, normal Poor Man's Podcast, normal one. Uh, it's kind of morning kind of show in the beginning. You get the late night show at the second half with the guest. This is a little bit different. This is one-on-one, like I said. So it's going to be long form. It's a, more of a conversation than you know a bunch of different people talking here and there with news and different segments. This is just a conversation. So I like having some different kind of things, trying some new uh, formats out. I... Uh, it took me a couple minutes to get started. I go down these rabbit holes. I was on Facebook just checking whatever and uh, scrolling through, and there's Troy Polamalu highlights. And it's like Goodfellas or Pulp Fiction or something. Like when it comes on the TV, you can't just click through it. Like it doesn't matter what part of the movie it's at. I'm just going to finish watching it. And it was like 50 of Troy Polamalu's best plays. And as much as I wanted to start, I absolutely stood there and watched all 50 plays. And I I can't even remember how good he was. Like, looking back, I definitely took for granted how amazing Troy Polamalu was. Uh, but to get back to, to the point of the episode, we have a one-on-one episode. Today, I have been joined by an absolutely hilarious comedian, uh, game show host of Street Smarts, there's Pontoon Payday, and his new show on Very Local. Wait, what happened? Um, Very Local is putting out a lot of good uh, content anymore. You got uh, Ed and Day in the Berg. I know they had, uh, we had Dave Foreman on from Played at Pittsburgh. He was very nice. We've had him on multiple times, actually. We love Dave. And now uh, Frank Nicotero. So I'm super excited to have him on. I've actually already done the interview, so I'm saying have him on. But you're going to listen to, uh, you know, our conversation. We had a probably 45-minute conversation, 45-minute long conversation. Super interesting, super funny. Uh, he's done so many things. Uh, not only game show host, comedian, he's actually warmed up for shows like The X Factor, Celebrity Name Game. And we actually hear a story about America's Got Talent where a guy – I guess, stole his joke and then used it on the show. And Frank was there. Like, what are the chances of that happening? But um, tune in. If you want to watch any of this, you can watch it on YouTube. Um, The first half I recorded on Zoom. I wanted to record the entire thing on my iPad and, you know, have it look a little bit nicer. And forgot to hit record. That seems to be one of my biggest downfalls. I actually have this index card right here that says record that I have to put on the roadcaster before every episode so I don't forget that because I've known to do that just ask uh, sports guy JP but uh without further ado we're going to get into the interview with uh, Frank Nicotera 
Well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you. This is our first one-on-one episode for Poor Man's Podcast, so it is a big deal. And in addition to that, we have one of our uh, probably biggest guests and one of my favorite funniest guests. I grew up watching one of his shows. We have Frank Nicotero, comedian. Thank you, Frank. Yeah, man, I appreciate it. You know, you just sent that nice message to me on Instagram or whatever. And look, anytime I can uh, help out someone from Pittsburgh or just – Talk all things Pittsburgh, like, you know, just seeing like your penguin. I got Steelers uh, stuff back here. Yeah. So I'm, I'm glad to do it, man. No problem. Oh, you have a football behind you. Too. Oh, I do. I have, uh, mine's Aaron Smith from the Super Bowl, from Super Bowl XL. With, oh, nice. And Detroit. I have, uh, I have a Troy Palomalu. I have a Lynn Swan and a Najee Harris. And then the footballs, I hate to say this, one of them is Terrell Suggs, but Terrell <laughs> Suggs, who is on our most hated team, right. the Ravens. He was on Street Smarts. When he was at Arizona State, we interviewed him on Mill Avenue, which is the big bar section, <laughs> and he was awesome. Yeah. So what we, what we did on Street Smarts is we had Revenge Week, where the people out in the streets got to come back in and try to win money, and he came back in, and this was like two months before the NFL draft. <laughs> so this was like 2001, maybe, and uh, he knew he was going to get drafted high, and I'm like, man, it'd be great if you were a stealer. He's like, nah, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna make it that far, whatever. And then I went to Baltimore. Yeah, so I haven't seen him since, but I have a signed football from him, and I hate that he's a Raven, but he was a good guy, and he came back and did the show. I understand. He was always the best, like antagonizer. Like when you have right. the the hero Ben Roethlisberger in this situation yeah. going against, you know, you needed a a worthy opponent, and Terrell Suggs, Ed Reed, Ray Lewis, those guys. Yeah. As much as you hate them, you kind of have to love that they were part of the story. Yeah, and Roethlisberger loves Suggs. I mean, you know, they had the utmost respect for each other. So yeah. uh, I didn't mind. But, yeah, so I got my Steeler wall, Bradshaw, Franco. And I have a Bradshaw signed football that's in the closet protected <laughs> from light. So I haven't put that out. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why. Uh, I, my uncle got me. I thought it was going to be a big deal at the time. He got me a signed Richard Mendenhall, first-round pick <laughs> jersey. <laughs> The only, Illinois. Yeah. Yeah. And then that, then that fumble in the Super Bowl that really hurt us. And, uh, you know, it's funny because he ended up out here. I had a friend that bumped into him a few times because he ended up writing on ballers. He became oh, one of really? those. Yeah. I mean, I guess they wanted some authentic football players, guys that played in the NFL. And Richard Mendel, I think he actually got a script credit on one. But I know <laughs> I saw his name in the credits as either, you know, writer's assistant or something. But he was on the he was on the staff of Ballers. Oh, that's wild! And I see yeah. I see the the pirate hoodie. I, I one of my questions oh, I yeah. was going to ask you is uh, on your on your website on your Instagram page. It says Pirates Steelers fan before comedian both times. Yeah. Is that on purpose? Well, it's priorities. Yeah. I, never even, I never even thought about that. But and you know what? I I don't even know if I wore this on purpose this morning. Maybe subconsciously I was like, "Well, I'm doing a Pittsburgh podcast." Um, <laughs> By the way, I bought this. This is my most comfortable. It's uh, what's that brand? Forty-seven, I think, or yeah. whatever. That looks the best. Got this at the airport. Like I, <laughs> I had been, I was all over stores in Pittsburgh, and my mom was coming to stay with me in LA, so I was flying back with her. And we went to one of those. There's actually a really good Pittsburgh store at the airport for jerseys. I don't know the name of it, but that's where I got this. It was like forty percent off, and my mom wanted to get me something for Christmas, and it was like forty bucks. She's like, "Here's forty dollars. Merry Christmas, whatever." But it's like the softest, most comfortable sweatshirt I have. And it's only 60 degrees here in L.A. I don't mean to be whining. But, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess pirate fan above everything else. So, you know, watching this start has been great. But I guess that's my Pittsburgh roots shining through. Like my comedian, I mentioned third. That's funny. <laughs> yeah, for sure. The the pirates, I, we're all excited here. But it's also like kind of like the 
abusive relationship. You're like well, waiting for it to come sure. back. Trust me. I, I mean, I used to go to 40 or 50 games a year, probably throughout the eighties and early nineties. And, you know, I have the package, so I watch every game still. And it's been, it's been like a dream. April was a dream. Look, and we knew coming in uh, to May, they were going to hit Tampa Bay and now Toronto at home. So some tougher competition and, you know, but still, yeah. I mean, they're still in first place because the whole Central's losing this week. I mean, the Rockies <laughs> handed it to the Brewers. And the, I don't know how the Cardinals are 10 and 22, but I love seeing them in the basement. So. Oh, yeah. They're always the ones kind of like the Patriots. Yeah. You, you like to see exactly. them lose regardless of uh, Pittsburgh's uh, exactly. record. But uh, I guess third on that list, we have comedians. So we have yeah. you here on the fifth, but the fourth yesterday – uh, or whenever you hear this, but the 4th, yeah. May 4th, um, it was your comedian anniversary. Yeah, I mean, most comics are going to remember the first time they step on stage. It was May 4th, 1988, okay. uh, at the Funny Bone on Route 51, Sawmill Run Boulevard. Okay. And um, it was the White Mountain Cooler Comedy Competition. White Mountain Cooler was like, uh, it was like a white claw. Oh, Okay. It, it, it's exactly what it was like before Zima, even White Mountain Cooler. Um, and then coolers were big back then, so everything old is new again. It sounds like something that if there was like a, a ski movie that came out now, that would be the the yeah. beverage they would have. White Mountain Cooler. <laughs> By the way, whoever owns that name, they should they should come out with them again because it was a great name. But, <laughs> but yeah, so they had this competition, and I used to call the Funny Bone and say like on the phone, I'd be like, I want to be a comedian. How do I be a comedian? And they'd be like, Well, you gotta, you know, and I'd like hang up. But one guy, this manager named Greg Gibson, he kept my phone number and he called me and he said, hey, look, I know you've been calling for the last year about wanting to be a comic. I mean, I was 18 or 19. He said, we're doing this open competition. You come down, you sign up, you get on. And I went down and I had my notebook and I had been writing jokes in high school. And I went up the first night and I did great. I finished in second place. I'm like, this is going to be easy. And then I got up uh, at Graffiti, which was a, a club in Oakland the next couple of times and died a horrible death. But, <laughs> but I remember May 4th, 1988 at the funny, I think it's a furniture store, furniture store. Now if the building's even still there. Um, and then I got to close that maybe a year later before it moved into, but the funny bone moved into station square and the closing weekend, the headliner was Mark Roberts who went on to create Mike and Molly. Oh, okay, and yeah. the middle act was, and the middle act was Drew Carey. And then I was <laughs> the MC. Yeah. So the five, the, the closing week was awesome. Oh, and wow. uh, I still and then I moved to L.A. Uh, and then in 2000, I'm looking at houses and Mark Roberts walks down the street of this house. I'm waiting to, to look at. And he goes, hey, man, I know you. I'm like Frank Nicotero. And he's like, hey, what are you doing? I said, oh, I'm going to look at this house. He goes, that's my house, <laughs> and it was his house. And I ended up buying it. He sold it to me for the list price. And uh, his realtor was mad. She's like, no, we're doing an open house. We're going to get above asking. He's like, no. <laughs> I always said I wanted to sell this house to someone I knew. And this kid's from Pittsburgh. I worked with him. He's getting it. And, wow. And yeah, it was a crazy story. And then I see Drew all the time. I bump into him here and there. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, I started 35 years ago. It's hard to believe. And uh, it's been a long time. And that's the last, I mean, ever since then, I mean, uh, the last job I had, I was at National Record Mart, which doesn't even exist anymore. <laughs> yeah. Record store. So I've been making a go at it for 35 years in uh, show business. Wow, that's that's pretty impressive to make it, you know, that long to make it at all, and then to make it you know, with that longevity. Still trying, still plugging away, man. Is that something you always knew you wanted to do? Because, like I said, I did, I did do some research, and I saw you were the class clown three years in a row. I was. If it wasn't well, for that damn Jackie Joyce, 
you know, it would have been four. I flew back to Pittsburgh in January. (laughs) I I got a distinguished alumni award from North Allegheny High School in the category excellence, excellence in the arts. (laughs) And, uh, you know, after me, they gave away awards the rest of the night to people in medicine. and (laughs) And they're up there talking about, yes, I helped bring clean water to Rwanda and help stop the AIDS crisis. <laughs> Meanwhile, I was up there first, like, like, uh, yeah, I used to tell dick jokes in high school. Like, ah, I so it was weird to get this award, but I was, I was totally flattered. I mean, a couple guys from the Clarks have gotten it. Yeah. Rob and Greg, who I, uh, went to high school before me, but I've worked with the Clarks probably 500 times. And then uh, a guy from the country duo, Dan and Shay, went to North Allegheny. Um, so it was cool to get it. And Joey Porter Jr. went to North Allegheny, just drafted by the Steelers. So he'll probably get one of those in 15 years. Yeah, I hope so. It, kid. Yeah. I hope it's not the Artie Burns kind of situation. Yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. Oh, uh, yeah. But, I mean, I guess you're all at the, the peak, the pinnacle. Even the, the surgeons that went on after you, they, they hit the, the, you know, the highest standard, and maybe you did in uh, excellence in art. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I was, yes, I did know. Back to your question. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I was the class clown three years in a row. Jackie Joyce was this, this kid who... <laughs> I think he won freshman year, and then I took it three years in a row. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I was second place. I was pissed. So was, I had to work on my material and get funnier. You know? Yeah. It was like I looked at it as a challenge. But, um, yeah, I always kind of knew I wanted to be a comic. My 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 fallback was going to be sports broadcasting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I There was times where I used to go to the Pirate Games, and I brought a tape recorder and would sit in the upper deck and do play-by-play, <laughs> which those tapes are probably in one of these bins right here, this blue bin, if you can see it. But um, – yeah, I, I, you know, a huge sports guy and, uh, you know, I ended up doing some stuff related to sports, but, you know, I think comedian was always the thing I wanted to do. So I didn't do great in high school. I was a B student, maybe at best. And, uh, yeah. I, and then, you know, started, I went to Duquesne for a semester, dropped out and then started stand up on May 4th, 88. And here we are. I went to Duquesne for most of a semester and then didn't go back <laughs> either. So <laughs> my, yeah, my nephew's going there. I haven't been on that campus since the last day I took a test, it was a Bible class that was for <laughs> curriculum. So it was December. It was right around Christmas, and I was in the back of the room. And I remember I had a, a pen in my hand, and I, I, I filled in the last one. And I set the pen down, and I looked around the class, and I went, this is the last test I'm ever going to take. Like, I knew. That's yeah. how I knew. I was like, this is it. And I went in, and I handed the test in. And then, you know, six months later, May 4th, started stand-up. Then fall rolled around. My parents were like, what's going on? You're going to go back to school. And I was like, I was making money. I mean, this was back when the comedy boom happened and I could get on stage all the time. So um, I was making money and neither one of them went to college. I don't know if that made it easier, but they saw that it was, I was passionate about it and I was doing well. And I was on DVE, you know, once in a while, yeah. at 94 and, and they said, all right, go for it. You know, their school will always be there. So that really helped that my mom and dad let me do that. So, yeah, but I always knew, I, I knew this was what I wanted to do. So. So how long were you doing comedy in Pittsburgh, at least before you started making money at it? And then, cause it I seemed mean, pretty quickly for you right away. I mean, again, I was fortunate. That was when cable TV kind of came in, uh, you know, came out. And so there were comedy everywhere on TV and every bar wanted to do it because comedy was hot. So these pizza places on a Friday night, you know, they would do stand up. Yeah. And the comics, you know, I could make 20 or 30 or 40 bucks. Right. And, I was working for a week at National Record Mart and minimum wage, I think, was $3.35. So I'd work like 25 hours, 30 hours, and I'd take home 70 bucks. Yeah. You know, so it was like, 
and taxes out. And, stuff <laughs> yeah. and the money I was making at these bars and, and restaurants was under the tables, cash. I'm right. like, hey. So I was, I would, I could make like two hundred dollars a week, and I was nineteen, and that was huge money. Yeah. And, uh, but you know, the key was it wasn't about the money. It was getting. There were so many places doing it, and I got to mm-hmm. know comments like, oh, call this guy, call this guy. And, uh, you know, I could get up so much. And, and because I got up on stage four or five times a week, then I started emceeing the Funny Bone, which ran shows Wednesday through Saturday or Wednesday through Sunday. And you're doing eight shows. So you could get, you know, if you were good, you got a lot of stage time and you could get good quick, mm-hmm. fast. And I and, you know, then all of a sudden I, I did my first road week uh, in Columbus, Ohio, Funny Bone. And the middle act was Ron White. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I was in the condo with Ron White. And I I go up and Columbus was known as the hottest room. Columbus funny bone. For huh, some okay. And I go up and I do my 15 minutes on a Wednesday and just kill the room. And I introduce him and he comes up on stage and his eyes are out. He's like, where did they find you? <laughs> you know. And uh, he ended up having me open for him at all his weeks for a lot of the funny bones in St. Louis and and in Arlington, Texas. So I worked with Ron a lot. And this was back when he wore a cowboy hat. And drank a bottle of whiskey a night, which I think he still might do. (laughs) But uh, yeah, I learned a lot from him on the road. There was a lot of guys like that on the Funny Bone circuit. You know, I was middling. I mean, I was like, I was 20 years old. I was middling, which, you know, middle, you know, your MC does about 10 or 15. Your middle does about 25 or 30. Headliner does 45 to whatever. So I was doing 20 and I barely had 25 or 30 minutes, you know. But these guys liked me. They liked the energy I brought. So they would, you know, bring me and I would do several weeks with Ron White uh, the late great guy named Ron Rainey and all, you know, and the, the funny bone that night after that, the first night I did that Columbus funny bone, they brought me in the back room and the, and they, they said tomorrow, Mitch, Mitch is going to call you. And he was the booker of the funny bone. And I, I got this glowing review. And the next day he goes, open up your schedule book. Every comedian had one. He goes, choose, pick your weeks. And I was like, what? And they gave me like eight or 10 weeks on the road. And it was insane. And it was like 600 bucks a week to middle I was 20 years old. I wasn't even legally allowed to get into these bars. Yeah. Uh, Like I remember I went, I think Lincoln, Nebraska was the first one. And the girl picked me up from the airport and black cat by Janet Jackson was playing. I don't know. (laughs) But she looks at me and she gets, she gets, she goes, how old are you? I go, I'm 20. She goes, 21. I go 20. She goes, just say you're 21. So you can drink at the club all week. I'm like, yes. Yes. (laughs) And uh, you know, so I, and you know, going on the road, that's where you really, you know, you can sharpens your, your humor. So I, st- I was doing stand up in Pittsburgh till early mid nineties. I'd say 93. I started making frequent trips to LA, staying with my cousin, Greg and staying at his house rent free and hitting the clubs <laughs> out here. And then I got a writing job on a show that never went to the air in 96, October 6, 96 is my official LA date. I have a really good. <laughs> yeah, wow. Uh, and Jersey numbers. And sh- but, uh, <laughs> yeah. So I fully moved out in LA October 96, but I was making trips, but you know, it was like seven years in LA and I was doing commercials and I was on the radio and I kind of had that like, you know, big fish in a little pond thing. And I'm like, all right, let's see if I'm any good. And I moved to LA. So, yeah, I mean, I, I still go back to Pittsburgh. I mean, July 29th, I'll be at the Oaks theater in Oakmont, which is a big show I'm doing. And I'm going to use a lot of film clips and video, something I've never done before. Okay, yeah. So I still come home two, three times a year to do these little theaters and, you know, catch pirate. I scheduled around pirate. <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> uh, scheduling your your work around yeah. uh, that the Pittsburgh. Yeah, I think they're schedule. playing the Tigers that week. So <laughs> yeah, that works out. I uh, I was see- I saw that uh, you had um, when you were younger. 
he would stay up watching Johnny Carson, David Letterman, and it said some things like that. And then you got into game shows. Do yeah. You th- do you think you were influenced by some of those guys as a game oh, yeah. fl- show host? Well, you just know, to be Carson, a host. Yeah, Carson was originally a game show host before I did the Tonight Show, and what I would do is I had a black and white TV in my room, mm-hmm. and uh, I would turn the brightness all the way down. So okay. the light wouldn't emanate from under the door. So my parents wouldn't know I was awake and I'd have the volume real low, or I might even put in like, like a little earpiece or something. Mm-hmm. And I'd watch Carson and Letterman. If I could, I probably couldn't make it to Letterman because I was too tired, but I learned how to host. I learned how to, you know, talk questions, listen to people. So the game show thing, I used to stay home from school and I would uh, not go. I, I was sick a lot. At North Allegheny. That's exactly how I've seen Street Smart so many times. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I would stay home and literally I had a lineup, man. You know, my sister was at school, parents were out working. And I would literally watch, you know, Sale of the Century, uh, you know, these all Joker's Wild, and then Price is Right, of course, from 11 to oh, 12. Yeah. And then like at noon, Channel 53, I think went into the reruns of like Andy Griffith show and, you know, stuff like that. So game show, I watched game shows a lot. And then when I came to LA in, in like 95, this game show debt with Wink Martindale, D E B T. You had to prove okay. you were in debt to get on. A lot of comics went on <laughs> and I, and I went on it and it was pop culture, which is. Oh, okay. Yeah. And I won four, uh, $14,106. Oh, wow. I got that check and I, that's what I lived off for, you know, in LA <laughs> for the first couple of years. So my name got passed around to different, you know, casting directors of game shows who would bring me in as a, as a game show run through contestant and you'd get like 25 bucks or 50 bucks to just, you know, play yeah. a game. You know, they're trying it out to see if it works. And I'd always leave my name like, Hey, I'm also a comedian. I'd love to write or hope whatever. Right. And someone called back and, and said, Hey, we're doing this show. Do you want to submit some writing? And I did, and I got the job. And that's what started this crazy trip on game shows. So I watched them a lot as a kid. And now, you know, this, this new one that I'm hosting, wait, what happened on very local, the mm-hmm. streaming app, very local, which is free to download. Premiere was Wednesday, May 3rd, first episodes out there, new episode every Wednesday for eight weeks. First four episodes were shot in Pittsburgh, second four Orlando, but uh, that's how I got into this world. And and this is like the fifth game show I've hosted and, and I love doing it. And I've hosted dozens and dozens of pilots for networks and, you know, that don't go or they get picked up. Uh, like an example, I did one singing bee and I hosted it. It was great. They're like, you were great, but we're going to hire Joey Fatone. From <laughs> yeah. And I would get mad, you know, cause I just come off street smarts. I'm like, look, people know me as a host. I'm like, this is bullshit. I'm out of here. Then they'd go, but we want you to, we want you to train Joey how to host. We want you to teach him <laughs> how to host. Be the host whisperer. If yeah. you want I'd be like, no way am I doing this. They're like, we'll pay you this much money. I'm like, I'll be there Monday. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah and that happened several times I, you know i worked with niecy nash uh-huh. uh trying to uh, you know host whisper her and and uh dan cortez uh pittsburgh guy you know so it was just like you know so I've, I've stayed in the game show world and once in a while opportunities pop up like this and and you know right place right time and literally they go it's a game show man on the street filming in pittsburgh and I did tell my manager, I'm like, if I don't get this, I'm retiring. So, <laughs> yeah. This is like checks all the boxes. And I did an audition via Zoom and they called even, you know, right after they're like, yeah, he's the guy. So, you know, it's fun to do again. It's fun to be on the streets. It was great shooting in Pittsburgh, obviously. So, and it's a fun show. People can win some yeah. money. And it's very entertaining to watch. It's got a good play along factor at home. I did. I watched the first episode. It It is. It was very fun. My girlfriend watched it with me. 
Um, yeah. And she liked it. I, it was cool because it was almost interactive. You know, you see this yeah, little it clip. Really is. And then you, you can guess along with them. And yeah, it, it's it, harder than you'd think for true and false. Well, you know, it's multiple choices, yeah. true or false. Exactly. So, I mean, and, you know, with street smarts, people would always feel like, oh, you're going to make me look stupid. And, you know, <laughs> there's pressure. I tell people before they come on the show, when I meet them, I always go spend five minutes with them, make them feel comfortable. Yeah. Say, look, it's me and you hanging out on the street. You can win some cash. You're not supposed to know these answers. Yes. Yeah. You're a news junkie and you've seen every news story. Now, like when we were in Pittsburgh, we did a story about what fell into a sinkhole on <laughs> Grant, you know, yeah. and of course, you know, it's like, oh, a, a bus. Yeah. You know? You could have picked so, eight locations and it could have been a bust falling into a sinkhole <laughs> yeah. or off so, a bridge you know, or yeah. Yeah. They knew the answer to that one, but these are all based on those cool stories you see on the news, you know, in Pittsburgh, it's WTA news channel four, which is owned by Hearst. So someone at Hearst took all these stories and, you know, they have a library of these and they're like, what can we do with these? And they made a game show out of it. And it's a lot of fun. Like there's no pressure on people. And if they miss it, they're like, Oh, well, but you know, they can win, you know, they can win up to 200 bucks and, you know, it's uh, the girl who on the final episode, the final interview, interview of episode one, uh, that girl, Ryan or Rin, mm-hmm. R-Y-N, whatever it was pronounced, she won 70, 75 bucks. She could have doubled it to 150. She goes, 75 bucks sounds like a night out on the south side. I'm like, absolutely. Take that money and go. Um, and I'm like, I have I have blown $75 on the south side many, many nights. <laughs> yeah. At Mario's and Blue Lou's. And if you're old enough to remember, Nick's Fat City was across the street. So uh, I'm just, and I'm happy when people win. It really sucks when people lose, especially if they go double or nothing and they lose. But again, they didn't go double or nothing for 10 grand. Yeah. For, you know, a hundred bucks or, you know, so it's, it's not that bad. Right. They get a a t-shirt and like a little bag and some stickers. Well, that's worth something. That's worth 30 bucks right there. That's right there. That's 30 bucks. (laughs) Yeah. uh, The the thing about very local too, is that they have some pretty good, uh, you know, shows on there. There's uh, for people in the Pittsburgh location, which I think you can like download it and say wherever you are. So even if you're you're exactly right, wherever you you are, right. There's there's about a dozen cities. Yeah. So they have Edinburgh. For you know the two Pittsburgh local guys, yeah. they had um, I don't know if they still had it, but they had played it Pittsburgh, which was like a chopped version in Pittsburgh. The girl, the girl yeah, the girl. Is that the girl going around a restaurant? Or no, that's a different one. But uh, yeah, there's a lot. They're, they're 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 great programs, and and they're doing local stuff. And I have it set for Pittsburgh, so when I pull it up, usually the WTA news is rolling, and I'll let it roll, and I'll watch the sports, and yeah. you know I read the Trib and Post Gazette every day online, and DK Sports. I'm a subscriber of, so I enjoy being able to see the local Pittsburgh news and, and, and the programs are great and they, they're, you know, it's employing a lot of crews in Pittsburgh making shows too. So it's, it's really beneficial for the area. Yeah, that's, that's very cool. I, well, in addition to that, uh, I saw you had, I mean, a number of other game shows like we were just talking about. There was one pontoon, um, pontoon payday. Yeah. That sounded like a blast. To oh my shoot. God. It was the funnest show. You know, I was just in my girlfriend, Courtney, who's in the other room, probably listening. Courtney, <laughs> are you listening? No, <laughs> um, we just went to Lake Havasu cause my uncle still lives there, but the, uh, this show, uh, pontoon payday was for CMT television, country music television. And I was hired by a guy who I hosted that pilot for at NBC with Joey Fatone, Jason Dinsmore. <laughs> okay. So the, uh, the, the, the way this show worked was we spent 30 days during spring break in Lake Havasu, Arizona. And we were on a pontoon boat and we would get college kids who had probably been drinking a little bit and we'd take them out on the boat or sometimes we'd just be docked at the sandbar 
And then answer questions for cash with a double or nothing at the end, kind of like yeah, yeah. doing on wait, what happened? And they could win like up to a thousand bucks and, you know, they'd walk away sometimes with 500 and just think about that winning 500 cash on spring break. I mean, yeah. we financed their whole trip, you know, and we shot 30 days and, you know, we'd shoot, I think we did four days a week with three. I think we shot Thursday through Sunday. Uh, and then we'd have Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday off me and the crew. And there was like 30 of us. And it was a blast. I, that show and, and, and Jason, who, who ran CMT at the time, he goes, man, the scheduling people really messed that up because that show should have ran for years. And cause it was really funny. And it was, I was hired by Sally Ann Salsano, who's famous for creating Jersey shore and all those spinoffs and everything. And I still have a couple, her and I have a couple of shows that we're taking around and it was so much fun. I really was hoping we could do that for, for more episodes. Cause it was just, it was a lot of fun and these kids are just getting wasted and having a good time. But yeah, Pontoon Payday, Game of Life, Win, Loser, Pawn was a, a game show in a pawn shop. People would bring us up the pawn and then we would like turn like a the shelf would drop and a board would come up. And <laughs> they could win money in a pawn shop. So yeah, I've done a lot of interesting game shows and it's, it's all I look, I like giving away money. It's a great feeling. Oh yeah. I hate when they lose. Trust me. When you watch Wait What Happened Wednesdays, every new episode, uh, I'm rooting for everyone to win. I don't want anyone to lose, you know, and most of the time people do win. Maybe you could have some kind of pontoon on the Allegheny after like Maybe. a Kenny Chesney concert you, and then you, put oh it all God. together. You know what? I know the guy who owns the Tiki things. We should do it on the Tiki. <laughs> That's yeah. what we should do and give away money on the Tiki, uh, those uh, Tiki tours. Uh, yeah, after a Kenny Chesney show. Or even like Cash Cab and from, from Station yeah. Square to the Pirate Game over PNC oh Park. Uh, you can yell it out or, you know, whatever. Totally. And <laughs> I, I actually, they were going to do a new season of Cash Cab in Chicago or San Francisco at one point that I was set up to host. And then it fell through and then they ended up just keeping the one entity and Ben Bailey ended up sticking with the New York. But I almost hosted a season of that. Uh, which would have been fun because I love that show and I love the surprise element of, oh, my God, you're on a game show, you know, and that's what's fun about people on the street. All of a sudden it's like, hey, you can win some money. Yeah, I saw. Well, what was the name of your, of your comedy album was the, the Street Smarts guy? Well, that's that's how people would just go. Oh, you're that Street Smarts guy. So it just kind of stuck with me. And I'm going to when I'm doing the Oaks on July 29th, I'm going to try to maybe record that for a CD as well. But that's, I mean, people might not have remembered Frank Nicotero, but it was a lot. Oh, you're that street smarts guy, which I, you know, once in a while still happens. And it's usually now it's like, Oh, you're that street smarts guy. I used to watch that show when I'd come home from, from, you know, middle school or grade (laughs) school or high school. And I'm like, Oh God, but I'm like, Hey, at least you watched. But it was, uh, it was huge in colleges because we'd get kids, uh, you know, guys come up and be, dude, I used to get so wasted your show at two in the morning. (laughs) That's uh yeah my I would watch it with my mom when I was sick from school and every yeah. single episode she would remind me you know that Frank Nicotero's from Pittsburgh she would tell oh, me that every sweet. episode so your oh, name is ingrained sweet. into my in my, oh, my soul well, and I would and I would mention it as much as possible on the show to the fact or to the point that one of the produ- the producer would be like stop <laughs> talking about Pittsburgh which only made me mention it more and it was funny because we didn't shoot in Pittsburgh for the first. Three, we did five, we did five seasons. We didn't shoot there until I think season three. And I was begging them. We had been to Hawaii. We'd been to Minneapolis, St. Louis, you know, Miami, New York. Chicago was probably our biggest market for W because WGN Superstation would air the show yeah. like twice a day at three. They showed at 3 p.m., I think, and then at 11 p.m. 
But I begged him to Pittsburgh. Now, we didn't have a great time slot in Pittsburgh. I don't think we were on until 1 a.m., which always bummed me out. Excuse me. I'm like, they're like, well, why do we need to go to Pittsburgh? I'm like, you have no idea of the characters. that. (laughs) So the first day, we shot down, I think it's Station Square, and we bumped into, uh, if you go to Three Rivers or PNC or Hines, Everyone knows uh, TK, the 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 uh, uh, TC TC. Sorry, TC. He's the loud vendor. You know. Hey, oh yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> He's, I've known the guy. He calls me Huey Lewis. I don't know why. Hey, Huey Lewis. I, I, That's the I one famous Huey guy Lewis, he knows. <laughs> I wore Huey Lewis sunglasses, but anyway, he was. We put him on the show. I think the first day, and when the office back in LA got the tapes that we would, you know, overnight. They're like, oh my God, this Pittsburgh's a gold mine. Yeah, you know, we had people, yeah. oh my God, he's coming down here. I mean, they didn't <laughs> understand. And we had like one of the best weeks. It was so good. We would rap early every day because we would just steam <laughs> through like seven or eight a day and rap and then go out. And I'd show the crew around Pittsburgh. And it was, that was one of the greatest things was being able to film in my hometown. So that's what made Wait What Happened again very cool. Cause again, I'm shooting, you know, down in the strip at the point, you know, and PPG. So it was really cool. But, um, yeah, shooting in Street Smarts in Pittsburgh was great. That's that's something uh, when you would watch something like that, you'd be like, I bet you that guy's from Bloomfield. Or, like, you can even yeah. tell the neighborhood the they're from. Yeah, yeah, you can tell. It's like it's like people from England know that's Cockney, that's, you know, like <laughs> yeah. Pittsburgh. are like, that's south, that's north. It's amazing. Oh, yeah. Um, that's so funny. I, I, I definitely uh, – do that. It, it was. I went to Central Catholic actually, so I would go to school with kids Marino, from right. yeah from everywhere. And you yeah. would. It would be oh, like, yeah. oh, that table over there. That's the Lawrenceville table. I know <laughs> them for sure. That one is absolutely Greenfield. Greenfield always stuck out. <laughs> but <laughs> that's hysterical. Yeah. Um. Uh, actually. Um. This. Uh, I think you know this guy. He told me he's uh, a big fan. Air Terry Jones. Oh yeah, Ter- oh, the, the comedian from Pittsburgh. Yeah, Terry. Yeah, Terry's the best man. Ter- I, Terry says the nicest things about me on Facebook, and he's a big horror fan. I, and, that's uh, what he was going to ask me. He said he's a big fan of Wishmaster, and I was going to ask you yeah. about some of your acting. The Wishmaster was the first thing I did, and uh, I'm sure everybody watching remembers Pharmacy Customer Number Two. <laughs> and, uh, I don't know if we'll have the time, but I'd like to do my full scene for you. Here we go. <laughs> Hey, buddy, are you okay? There you go, ladies. There it is. Right there. Uh, that was my line uh, in the pharmacy. The, the evil gin uh, cursed this pharmacist who kicked him out of the store to get cancer and die. And uh, within like 30 seconds, he got cancer and decayed and died. I'm like, oh, my God. So, um, and I got, my, I got my sad card on that. You know, that, that got me to join the union. And I remember I got home, we shot really late down by San Pedro, down by uh, Long Beach. That's where they got the pharmacy to shoot in overnight. And I remember going to bed and I lived with my cousin Greg at the time. And I heard the answering machine going off. This was before Mm -hmm. voicemail. And I hear it going off all morning and it's just me laying in bed. I don't want to get up. And I'm just laying in bed. I'm like, that's Hollywood calling. They they saw the dailies from last (laughs) night. It's going to be huge. Probably get my own movie. So I wake up, I go down the long hallway to the kitchen and there's like 30 messages. So I hit play and every one of the messages is like, oh my God, are you guys okay? Oh my God, are you guys okay? Well, what had happened that morning, it's a famous shootout. They made a movie. It's a Bank of America shootout 
that I think lasted 23 minutes oh, where the guys went in with like high powered rifles. Yeah. And the cops literally had to go to sporting goods stores because they only had shotguns to, to get guns to keep oh, up with wow. these guys. And I think FX made a movie called like 23 minutes of hell or something, but it's a famous shootout and it wasn't too far from where Greg and I live. So everyone's seeing this on the national news and they're like, Oh my God, are Frank, is Frank okay? So all these messages were just that, but, um, but yeah, that segued into I've been in a couple other horror movies and a, you know, a couple of TV things. The thing I'm most proud of is, is Greg wrote and directed an episode of Creep Show, uh, season two, the, the the holiday special, where it's there's evil Santas and uh, it's really it's really the funnest thing I've done acting wise. And it's with Adam Pally, who's a, a funny actor, and Anna Camp from the Pitch Perfect movies. So that's on the Shutter app, which is AMC streaming service. But yeah, you know, and some commercials and stuff. So, you know, always trying to audition and hustle. I mean, you know, you're in LA and it's it's tough. There's a thousand people that want, you know, those 10 jobs. So <laughs> it's it's a nonstop hustle. And now you don't even really go out and audition anymore in rooms because you just really audition online. So, you know, I had a commercial audition on Monday, you know, and, you, and the thing with commercial auditions is it's like two or three lines for, you know, Doritos or whatever. <laughs> and you do it. And you know you nail it, you know you do good, but you also know 50 other guys are going to be just as good. It's three yeah. lines, you know? Joey Fatone. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, right. You never know. But uh, getting back to Terry, Terry always loved Wishmaster, and he's still, he'll post that picture on Facebook. I've seen comments. it. I, I didn't yeah. know that's what it was from. <laughs> and, you know, you know they, made, they ended up making like four or five of those Wishmaster movies, you know, like direct-to-video ones. And I'm like, you know, Pharmacy customer number two did not die. Why I was not brought, brought back in any of the sequels, I'm still upset about. Oh, and this is probably obscure too, but it's strange. In my family, my brother is obsessed with the full moon puppet master movies. Those. Oh, God, yeah. And I he, was in, uh, <laughs> Ginger Dead Man 2. Ginger Dead Man Passion two. of the Crust. DVD somewhere around, <laughs> yeah, Passion of the Crust, yeah. You know, it's I, I, I'm shocked at how many people have seen that movie. <laughs> I actually, I believe doing, that. Uh, I, I was actually I do audience warm up uh, for big game shows like Press Your Luck. Yeah. I did America's Got Talent for years, and the X Factor with Simon. Because Simon Cowell really liked me and had me do a lot of his shows. So I remember I was in an arena. We were doing X Factor, which I think is coming back. It was just all singing, right? Mm-hmm. It's big. It's a big hit in England. And there's like, we're like in Kansas City, there's like 6,000 people in an arena, just huge, massive. And I'm on stage getting people ready. And some guy runs up to me on a break. He's like, hey, hey, um, would you sign something for me? I'm like, what? And he had, he had Ginger Dead Man 1 and 2 combo DVD set. <laughs> and he's like, will you sign this for me? This is like one of my favorite movies. I'm like, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and then I was somewhere on the road, might have been in Florida, and I was at a 7-Eleven and they had a discount bin. And there, as I'm standing in line, is the Ginger Dead Man 2. And I'm like, I'm in this movie. Yeah. I'll just take the egg salad sandwich and cheese it. You know? uh, um, Everybody yeah. says that who comes through here. I can't believe that. Yeah. Cloud that's chaser. another. And that, I think that's streaming somewhere on Amazon, maybe. Uh, there's a couple other. Act Your Age is another low budget movie I was in. So they're out there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I can't believe someone actually knew Ginger Dead. <laughs> yeah, he is. He's a fan. I remember he he did. He's, he sent in money to uh, the thing to be listed as a producer on one yeah. of the Full Moon movie, Evil Bong, yeah. or who knows what it was. But Terrible. yeah, he, he's a giant fan. Um, did you like doing uh, warm up for the shows that you were on? 
know, I, I really enjoy, uh, you know, America's Got Talent. I did. God, I started on that show when Jerry Springer was the host. So, oh, geez. When he passed away. It, Nick Cannon only it, had 40 kids at that point. Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it was before he really got, got crazy. <laughs> yeah. Jerry Springer was fantastic. I mean, it would be just me and him on stage sometimes. And and he would just always be singing Sinatra songs. And he'd be like, you know, this one. And I was actually named after Frank Sinatra. That was My dad was a huge fan. My parents got married on December 12th, which is Sinatra's birthday. So I knew them all. So Jerry loved me. He'd come up and he'd start singing a Sinatra song and I'd say it. So he was the greatest guy. So I did it for a few years when he was there and then he left. And then I came back for a couple of years when Nick was there. Uh, and I left and I came back and did a year with Tyra Banks, which was very forgettable. And then <laughs> not the most pleasant person. And then I did one, I did a bunch of episodes of Terry Crews, who's the nicest guy in the world. So yeah, I love getting out there with those big crowds and it's fun. And uh, like some bigger game shows, Press Your Luck, I would do, or Card Shark. So I haven't done, <laughs> I was supposed to do Press Your Luck, which is hosted by Elizabeth Banks. So I was supposed to do it uh, the second week of March. And I started getting sick the week before. And I'm like, okay, I'm fine. I'll be ready. And then the night before, they make you take a COVID test. And I tested positive for the first time. Oh, no. I didn't have COVID. So I had to, I missed the four days. And that was the only four days the show was shooting. And I couldn't do it because of COVID. And then I don't have anything scheduled for warm up uh, until probably summer. So that was a real bummer because I like working with her. Uh, she's really cool. And I like the show because they give away so much money. So uh, I do like doing it. I'm, I'm kind of fortunate that I can kind of pick and choose different shows. Um, I don't do them all, but the ones I do, it's fun work. Gives me a chance to try out some new jokes I might have written down. And I, I'm in front of, you know, I'm in front of a you know crowd of, you know, anywhere from 2000 to a thousand people. And, you know, also, because I've hosted and produced game shows, uh, you know, they like having me because I know exactly what to tell the audience and everything. So yeah, yeah. it's fun to do. I mean, uh, uh, I, you know, I, I don't know when I'm doing it next, I think in July or something. So, uh, but if something comes up, I'm always open to it. I mean, you know, got to make a buck, got to pay the rent. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Terry was telling me, I guess somebody like used a joke of yours on the show. Yeah. Uh, a comedian named Greg Wilson. I was at AGT. And okay. I, I, I will tell the story. Um, I saw his name on the sheet because I would always I would always look at the schedule. Mm -hmm. And I saw he was on and I knew his act was pretty dirty. And it's like, how's this guy doing? <laughs> so I went to the executive producer, <clears throat> Jason. I go, oh, this guy's on after lunch today. And he goes, yeah, he goes, he's got this really funny video. And I'm like, OK. And I'm in the back of the room and he starts doing it. And I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> so after he finishes. I ran up to the side of the stage, the judges table and Howard Stern and Howie are there and Howie <laughs> can tell something's wrong and Howie looks at me and I go, that's my bit, you know, and Howie goes, yeah. And he goes to the guy and the guy's standing on stage and he goes, uh, he goes, this isn't set up at all. He goes, but we have our comedian here, Frank Nicotero, and he's pretty sure that's his bit. And I guess <laughs> the odds of me being there are one in a million. Right. Uh, and then him stealing this bit. And it's a bit, I, I started at the Funny Bone at Station Square. It's about a guy and a girl in a car having an argument uh, that you've seen a million times. And, you know, it's a pantomime bit. I don't speak. It's all acting it out. Uh -huh. And it's like a trademark bit of mine that I would close with on the road. I had done on TV. So it wasn't like, you know, and he did it exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm flipping out and they go, they vote yes. And they put him through and everyone, and the producer runs over and goes, what are you doing? You're disrupting the show. Like we're, you know, and I go, I don't care. This yeah. is bullshit. 
So I go to the back where I stand. I'm like, no, I'm going backstage. So I go backstage and he's being interviewed. And I go, hey, what the hell, man? Who's and I start kind of walking at him. And the stage manager like, helped me back, <laughs> which I find out the next day, it was the uh, woman stage manager who barely had to hold her arm to hold her back. <laughs> but I was really upset. And then I posted about it. I ranted on Facebook about it. And uh, NBC wanted to fire me because I was divulging show information, which, you know, you signed uh, NDA. So yeah. And I'm like, I don't care. But Fremantle, the production company, who I had done a million pilots for hosting or warm-up, said, no, we're keeping them. And uh, Howard Stern came up to me the next day. He goes, hey, they, they showed us you doing that bit backstage that I had recorded at the Ice House or the Comedy Magic Club here in L.A. And it was the same. And I go, yeah, don't worry. You know, you know, he's not going through. So there's a stage back then when AGT would go to Vegas week, and they would bring back some contestants after they reviewed some tapes that they had put through but weren't strong enough. And he was on stage yeah. with a bunch of them. And they're like, we know you all got put through, but this will be the end. And he started going, but wait. And they went, Whoop. and the stage manager who I know too, was just like, nope, you're off. <laughs> and, you know, I blackballed him at some clubs. He's still around, but, you know, I, I haven't seen him or ran into him. But, you know, I, it, it was obvious. It was totally my bit. Um, and, I, you know, I, I, don't, I don't tell the story often. It is out there. You know, it's funny because there was a reporter there from some online service who was there to cover Howard Stern. Okay. So he was there and he goes, and that's the article that I think is the one when you Google it. He's like, I was there just to kind of be there and see Howard and everything. And this almost seemed fake, yeah. you know, and, I, and I'm like, it's not, you know. So <laughs> I'm, just, I'm, I'm just happy I was there to see it. That's or he insane. Or might have been on TV with this bit that, I, that, that was mine. And, you know, I heard some stories from other comics, you know, that have told me he had stolen jokes from them before. So... Yeah, I felt vindicated, and I and I held on to my job, and he got kicked off the show. So, ha! <laughs> yeah, it all worked out. That is, yeah. that's one of those things, like, kind of, you see that with uh, Carlos Mencia, kind of stuff yeah. like that. Uh, and, yeah, yeah, it, you know, it's, look, and Nick Cannon, and Nick does stand-up, and, you know, he was backstage, too, and he's like, hey, man, I've seen guys pull guns out on other guys in clubs, and I'm like, Nick, I don't think you do clubs like that. I, mean, I don't I think you're doing, you know, whatever. Yeah. But you know, maybe when he started, I don't know. But it was nice of him to say. He was always Nick was always cool with me. So yeah, uh, yeah, that's that story. It was it was crazy, and I, I almost got fired, but I didn't. So yeah, well, that's the best kind of story. That yeah, exactly. Right, I win and win. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess one of my last questions that I, I really wanted to ask you <laughs> with Street Smarts. You, you've been doing it for, you did it for five years with over mm-hmm. 700 episodes. How many? 760, ep- I think. 760 or 790. It was. We did 170, yeah. 170, 150, 150, 130, 130. So uh, 340, 640, 790, I think, or 770, okay. somewhere around there, almost 800. Yeah, it was, it was an insane number. How many, what was kind of the shooting schedule for that? We did, we did Wednesday through Sunday. We would go to towns, uh, you know, let's say we go to Miami, mm-hmm. we would, we would, uh, the crew would go set up around, let's say 10 AM and our recruiters would go out looking for people. I mean, you know, they'd have these cards that said street smarts and they would test people. Hey, do you want to be on TV? They would always look for like the loudest person in a group, you know, right. like with personality. Do you want to be on TV? All right, come over here with me alone. And then asking these test questions. And it was like 10 questions. Uh, according to the song, where did Tony Bennett leave his heart? You know, whatever. <laughs> yeah. So, like, yeah. Or, you know, what's the fourth letter of the alphabet stuff? And they get passed on to a senior recruiter who would then make the decision if they would get on the show or not. And we were very selective because, you know, you wanted personality. You need them to miss half. But even sometimes people that would get all of them right, they were very attractive or they were yeah. very funny. And we'd put them on. 
So by the time they got to me, I, and by the way, I'd get a call at like noon. They're like, all right, we're ready. We got our first person. So I'd be able to take a cab down and come down and just go right on. And each script was about 33 questions and it was broke down with pop culture history. Each script was strategically put together. Um, so everybody's almost going to miss of the 33 questions, five or six. Right. We wanted people to miss half. I mean, we wanted that nice mixture because you wanted to, you know, because you have to then compile a show because it's three people on the same script. So for each episode, there was a script of 33 questions. And, you know, like I was saying, if there was like a really good looking girl or guy and they only miss five or six, we would maybe front load the first question of the show with them missing one. Mm -hmm. So now they're like, oh, they're stupid. And then they might get four in a row. Right. Because we had to build the show around them because they only missed a few. So, uh, but each interview would take, you know, 25 minutes, you know, if they were really funny, I'd really try to stay with them even longer and get as much comedy as we could out of them. We'd do four or five, take a lunch break, do another three or four, you know, rap. When we would do Vegas, we, would, we wouldn't even start till three or four at mm-hmm. PM. Oh, we, wanted yeah, right. till, we wanted to go till midnight or one. <laughs> yeah. You know? So we would do three weeks in Vegas. We were like vampires. So you rap at 12 or one and you're like, all right, let's go back to the room. And then we'd all call each other on the hotel. But why are we in our, let's go out. You know, yeah. we'd go out till and you go out till four or 5. AM. And because, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't have to be on set till three, you know, so, right. so for three weeks around the schedule. And I remember the one time I was really hot. I was at the Imperial Palace playing blackjack by myself. It was about six or 7. AM. I'm making my way back to the hotel. I slam the cab door. Another cab pulls up and it's our producer. And he goes, good morning. And I'm like, ah, you're out too. He's like, all right. He goes, I'll see you in eight hours, you know, whatever. Yeah. But it was, it was a great schedule. So, uh, but most cities that weren't Vegas. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we'd shoot an eight or nine hour day, but sometimes if we were really hot, we would just say, Hey, look, let's do eight. Cancel lunch. You know, just go straight through. If, mm-hmm. if they were like, if you're up to it, Frank, I'm like, let's do it. If it wasn't a hundred degrees up. We were in St. Louis under the arch with humidity and I almost <laughs> passed out like three times. But normally if we could do seven or eight right in a row, which is like, you know, four or five straight hours, we would just stop then go out to lunch and then, you know, we'd be wrapped four hours early. So we tried to do that, but it was, it was three weeks on the road and then come back and do studio shows, you know, tape, tapes to show the, the, the wraparounds in the studio three or four days a week. And that was like, we would do that January to like May. And it was a, it was a lot of work, a lot of schedule, but I mean, I, it was the best, you know, and especially the later seasons when we learned how to, you know, the first season took forever to shoot because we didn't know what we were doing. You know, it was a learning process and the crew kept getting bigger and bigger because we realized we needed more people to help out. But uh, yeah, that schedule was great, but it was, it was five days on two days off. We always had Mondays and Tuesdays off. We tried to do two weeks in big cities. So we'd have downtime to go out and have a lot of fun. Yeah, that sounds like a absolutely fun time, a great time in, in great. the career. Absolutely. Um, I was going to ask what, I guess, your favorite part of doing that was, but you were saying earlier, just giving away money to people. Yeah, but, you know, you know, on Street Smarts in the Street, though, they didn't win any money. You know? yeah. That was the contestants in the studio. Uh, I will always remember the, like, the bicycle handle things that you would turn. One. That was, all, yeah, that oh. was season one. <laughs> Uh, then the show was a hit and we got electronics and we stepped up. Oh, that's right. That's right. That was low budget season one. I think season two, we went to the electric ones, but, but yeah, those are the people who could win money. So the people in the streets really were just getting to do it to be on TV. And I remember after season one, uh, Warner brothers and the executive producers are like, you know, once this show hits the air, we're going to have a hard time finding people because you know, they're going to fear that they look stupid. 
it became so much easier because (laughs) at the Minnesota state fair and people would see the signs we had set up street smarts. They would run. Oh my God. I want to be on TV knowing they might look not super smart, (laughs) but they didn't care. It was, you know, the circus came to town, right? You know, here's Hollywood shooting this national game show at the Minnesota state fair. They were, they, they loved to be on it and the show got easier and better as we went on. And, you know, we did a reboot uh three or four years ago we shot a pilot and there's me out again in the streets with the street smarts mike cube up at city walk which is where we shot right by universal studios and we did interviews and they had jeff foxworthy hosted uh, they shot the wraparounds in atlanta i've never even seen it mm-hmm. and warner brothers was going to take it out and market it you know try to sell it again and then covid hit like six months later so Jeez. i don't know if it'll ever happen i never even saw the pilot. I heard it turned out great, but who knows? Maybe it does happen again. I don't know. Would they still use me? I would hope so, but you never know. So, you know, everything, like I even said earlier, everything old is new again. Everything's getting a reboot. So if they wanted to do it again, it would be the perfect time to do it. Uh, I would be totally for it. Yeah. They're going to use you to just train your uh, replacement again. Well, I mean, well, he was just <laughs> doing the studio. They were going to have me do all the field. Oh, stuff, okay. Which got I, yeah. Which I love. He just did the studio thing and they wanted a big name for syndication. I was like, fine. Yeah. So, um, kind of know, a, are you smarter than a fifth grader kind of street smart? Yeah. Which he, which he has. Right. So, so who knows? Uh, but in the meantime, I have wait what happened, which is similar to street smarts, new episodes every Wednesday on very local. It's free. Absolutely. Frank, I think that's all I wanted to end with. Um, actually, do you have any advice for uh, any comedians locally? Because I have them on the show all the time. Is there anything you can end with them? Get up on stage anytime someone offers you, you know, especially when you're starting out, even if it's no money. I remember, you know, Jurgles used to be on Babcock Boulevard. It's now yeah. the big club. It used to be on Babcock. And I used to do a show there every Wednesday. Uh, and I'd get money and I'd have to put three comics on there and I'd end up walking out with 60 bucks, which was great. But the show would be at like eight 30 or nine. And this was early nineties when the penguins were powerhouse. <laughs> Excuse me. So there was no cover charge to get in and people are sitting at the bar watching the penguin game. And then they'd be like, it's comedy time. And they would turn the penguin. Game oh off. God. People would lose their, what the, <laughs> and then I get up on stage. Hey, welcome to comedy night. <laughs> and it was a battle. I mean, people, because they didn't pay to get in, yeah. they don't care. Right. That's why I don't do any shows where people don't pay cover charge. Because if you don't pay cover charge, you're not going to appreciate it. For and, sure. and it really, it makes a difference. That's one tip. But if you're starting out, you have to do the free shows anyway. <laughs> yeah. So it made me better because it was the same people at the bar heckling me each week. It made me better. It made me try out new material. We did reach an agreement after a few weeks to leave the Penguin games on, but <laughs> mute it. Yeah. <laughs> but still, I'm doing it in the middle of the joke. You're like, ah, yeah. like I thought I was killing. I was, no, Mario <laughs> but um, yeah, just get on stage, man. You get better every time you learn something. You might do a, a, a phrase differently. You might. Right. Add, I do my best writing on stage. I don't write anything out verbatim. I take ideas on stage. And slowly work it out mm-hmm. and find the beats and everything. And that's the way I do it. Everyone's different. But just getting on stage as much as possible. Visibility. I mean, and, and Pittsburgh, I, I you know, I, I don't know how many open mic nights are. I don't think the improv does it anymore. Do they do an open mic no, night? No, not that I there's, there's probably an open mic or two you can find every day of the week, whether or Man. not they're paying attention. You know, I went to one two days ago. And, uh, you know, you have four people that are there, you know, at 
10. Of, well, nobody's out you know, late at some of these places anymore. Jesus. At the, in the late 80s, early 90s, when the Funny Bone moved to Station Square, 250 people every Tuesday night yeah. for open mic night. For open mic night. It was all us local guys, and, and I was on DVE, so I had some notoriety. And we would then just bring the crowd down to, like, Jelly Rolls or Hula Hands. Jelly Rolls was a piano bar. Hula Hands was a bar. And those, they would give us free drinks, the comedians, because we would bring like 50 people after the show, you know? Yeah. And those days were the best. And that's where I learned the most. That's when I had the most fun doing stand-up was, uh, was those early years at the Funny Bone on the open mic nights. Um, and we didn't get paid for open mic night, you know, but, it, you know, it was the best time. So just get on stage, man. Just get on stage, get on stage, get on stage. Absolutely. Thank you so very much. Where can uh, everybody find you? Uh, on Instagram? Uh, on... Uh, yeah, I'm on Instagram, uh, TikTok. I, mean, I feel I'm a little old for it, but I'm still there. Facebook. Okay. All, all my handles are at Frank Nicotero, Twitter, everything. Um, and then the show, Very Local, is the free streaming service. Each new episode premieres on Wednesdays uh, for the next eight weeks. The first one's already out. And I'm excited the most about July 29th. Saturday, July 29th, I'll be at the Oaks Theater in Oakmont. Uh, it's a beautiful theater and they have this huge screen. And when I come home, I try to do as much new material as I can because a lot of my friends come out. But this time I'm using a lot of clips from home movies and old things I've done. So uh, it's going to be a different show. It's a multimedia experience oh. uh, on July 29th. So please come to the Oaks. People could come out then. It's going to be a great show. Absolutely. Thank you. One more time, uh, Frank Nicotero. Thank you. And uh, absolutely. How about that, Frank Nicotero? I'm so excited to have him on. He was the first one-on-one guest, like I said. I hope to keep doing these. I don't know that I'm going to do it every week. I'm going to do it when it's right and uh, when I find somebody I really want to talk to. and I feel like I can have a long conversation with, but uh, I'm happy to kick it off with Frank. He was so nice. I actually talked to him for a little bit afterwards, too. And beforehand, he was talking about where he went to get his driver's license test. And uh, I can't remember where he said, but he was like, I went there to get the easy one. And I remember in high school going to Penn Hills, and I definitely failed the first time because that Edgar Snyder-looking dude who sucked, he definitely was just looking for a reason to fail kids all the time. Um, And then they were like, go to New Kensington. So I ended up going to New Kensington, which was way further away. But I did pass. Um, But, yeah, it's so strange. It's so funny that that's what he remembers. Um, Super friendly guy, and uh, I'm so happy that he kicked it off the one-on-one, the PMP one-on-one. So uh, tune in to the regular Poor Man's Podcast every Monday. Uh, you can watch it, too. You can watch it on YouTube. You can watch it streamed live on YouTube. Um, I do a lot of uh, you know pictures and multimedia, and uh, I'd like it if somebody watched it and didn't waste the time. So tune in for that, and uh, subscribe, tell your friends, and thank you for listening. I'm going to say is I'm so happy yeah. that I was allowed to be part of your day. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. We hope you had a good time. If you did, be sure to subscribe to the show to catch the latest episodes and share with your friends. We can't promise not to embarrass you. And if you just can't get enough, follow us on Instagram at Poor Man's Podcast 412, Twitter at Poor Man's Pod 412, and Facebook. This is Pittsburgh's own Poor Man's Podcast, signing off. See you next week. In my opinion, that sucked. Woo! Woo! Poor Man's Podcast, best podcast in Pittsburgh.
Straight cash, homie.